Hey, so good to see you. How's everybody doing? Man, my name is Caleb. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm really excited to be sharing from God's Word with you this morning. Uh, man, God has been good. I hope you came in here expecting something. I know that often we can come to church and just think we're checking a box off a list or you maybe just came because this is what you do. But uh, I believe that when we expect God to do things, uh, we open our hearts and our minds to what it is that he wants to speak to us. And so I hope right now you are expecting. Are you expecting something this morning? Maybe you weren't. Maybe you weren't expecting something. But right now I pray and my heart is that you would say, you know what, God, what is it you want me to hear? What is it you want me to receive? Because God wants to give you something today. He wants to speak something over you. We are continuing actually closing out this Whisper series. I uh, hope you've enjoyed this series. It's been all about hearing God's voice so we can know God's will. Now, we live in a very loud world, don't we? This world is loud. In fact, our schedules are busy. And I believe because our world is so loud, our schedules are so busy, that we have a hard time hearing the voice of God, which means we have a hard time distinguishing God's will for our life. And so in this series, we've been looking at different ways that God speaks. And so here's what we've covered so far and what we're going to hit on today. We've talked about how God speaks. His languages are scripture, people, pain, promptings. And then today we're talking about desires, doors, and dreams. These are the languages of God's voice. Now I believe God has an outside voice. He can speak loud. And we talked last week about pain. And often pain is God's outside voice. Pain is God's way of getting our attention. Because uh, sometimes that's the only way that we will pay attention and humble ourselves and realize we can't do it on our own. But I also believe that regularly and more often God speaks in a still small voice. He speaks in a whisper. And if we're going to hear the whisper, we have to quiet our lives. We have to calm ourselves, calm our schedules and, and have silence so we can hear the voice of God. I believe God is speaking. The question is, are we listening? Are we listening? Are our ears attuned to God's voice. Today I want to talk to you about the title of my message, which is The Doors of God's Voice. Everybody say the doors. I believe there are doors of God's voice, and we're going to talk about that today. Hearing from God means walking through the doors made by God. The problem is we make a lot of doors that are man's doors, and we try to knock down certain doors. We try to create certain doors. But unless God is making these doors for our life, then we are walking through and into circumstances and situations that end up leaving us broken and messed up and we stumble and we fall. It's because we try to create doors when we need to walk through the doors that God is opening and making for us. So my, uh, my son, I actually am coaching my, my boy's kindergarten basketball team. And uh, I talked about it a couple of weeks ago, man. It takes some amazing patience to coach kindergarten, to kindergartners. It's incredible. But uh, this last week, um, actually yesterday, we had a game. And it was the end of the game, and it was the last quarter, and my son was in, um, Kanan, and he got a steal with 20 seconds left. So he gets a steal with 20 seconds left, and he takes off down the court, and he has a wide-open breakaway, wide-open breakaway layup. But he turns as he's running down the court and he looks at the clock and he sees on the clock that there's only like 20, 15 seconds left now at this point. And he gets all the way down as he's looking at the clock. He does something that I still am astounded by and it was kind of a proud dad moment too. He stops and he pulls the ball out and he dribbles and he's waiting. He's in kindergarten. 
Most of these kids have no concept of basketball at all. Like, they don't even get dribbling. They don't get the idea of passing, assists, I mean, rebounds, out of bounds. And he pulls the ball out. Now, let me tell you why he did this. He did this because he was waiting to take a shot at the last second. He was waiting to shoot the ball at the last possible second so the other team wouldn't have a chance to take a shot. Now, what's funny is they don't even keep score. The scoreboard said zero to zero. But let me tell you why he did this. He did this not because I taught him. I've never shown him this. I've never talked to him about this. I've never taught him this. He did it because he watches the Sacramento Kings with me. Now, you want to talk about pain. Let's talk about the Sacramento Kings for a minute, man. It is painful to be a Sacramento Kings fan. The Lord is teaching us things in this, my fellow Kings fans, but 10 years of it. But my son has watched games, and so he grasps the concept of basketball in a way that most kindergartners don't. And what he's seen is that these, uh, these guys he watches on TV, when the clock is running down, they wait. And at the last possible second, they shoot a shot so that the other team doesn't have a chance. And I, man, I got to be honest, I was proud as a dad. I actually asked him, I was like, bro, why did you not shoot that lip? He's like, dad, I was waiting to shoot it at the buzzer. Like, okay, do you, you know what I'm saying? But it got me thinking about us and this reality that we don't know how to hear God because we haven't learned enough about God. We don't know how to hear God's voice because we haven't put ourselves in the presence of God's voice enough. My son knew to pull the ball out and wait till the last second to shoot the clock because he has spent time watching basketball, learning basketball, being around basketball. It just naturally came out. I never even had to teach him this. And the problem is a lot of us, we have inconsistency in our time with God, inconsistency in our church attendance, inconsistency consistency in our prayer time, in our, wor- in our study of God's word, and then we wonder why we can't hear the voice of God in our life. If we're going to hear from God, we got to understand and get around the presence of God. Because when you're around the presence of God, you learn to hear more the voice of God. You get more attuned to it. It starts to make sense to you more clearly. So today I want to talk to you about the doors of God's voice. The doors of God's voice. I'm going to be looking at the book of Judges. If you have your Bibles, you can go to Judges. I'm going to be jumping around from 13, 14, and 15, a little into 16. This is the story of Samson. You guys heard the story of Samson before? Um, Samson was a man's man, right? He was a beast of a man. Uh, Samson was a judge. Now let me just lay out the context of this. Uh, The people of Israel have now come in and settled into their land, their nation of Israel. They have their own land, the promised land. And what happens is they become uh, disobedient to God as they so often did. They begin to rebel against God. They turn their back on God often. And so in this little time period, God actually releases judges or individuals who will judge over Israel. They're the leaders of Israel. They're the protectors of Israel. And so if you read the book of Judges, there's multiple individuals that God uh, identifies and anoints and calls to be the judges over God's people. And Samson is one of these. Now this was a time where Israel did what they so often did, which was rebel against God, turn their back on God. They began to worship idols. Uh, they, they got to the point of even child sacrifice because of what they saw other gods and, and people groups doing. 
And so God allows the Philistines, which is a people group from that area and region, come attack them, um, put their thumb on them. Basically, they, they are under the rule of the Philistines. And in this period of time, the Bible actually tells us that for 40 years, the Philistines rule over the Israelites. And in this time, God releases a new judge whose name is Samson. He gave Samson supernatural strength, and Samson was able to kill many uh, different Philistines with his bare hands. His amazing story, amazing individual, and yet a really jacked up and messed up individual too. Now, I don't know about you, but God often uses and usually uses broken people. I don't know if you recognize this or have seen this in your life, but I'm thankful that God doesn't use perfect people. Because if he did, there wouldn't be any of us being used. He doesn't use perfect people. He uses available people. But I also believe that because of our character issues, our sin, our mistakes, that God doesn't use us to the full capacity of what he could be using us. And I believe this is the story of Samson. He ruled over Israel for 20 years, but I wonder what could have happened. I wonder what could have happened if Samson had not had the vices that he had, if he had walked in a way that was more obedient to God. I wonder what God could have done with him, and this is something for us all to think about. But let's jump in here today. The doors of God's voice. Number one is desire. Everybody say desire. So let me read Judges chapter 14. Judges 14, we see the first moment of Samson's desires. And uh, Samson had desires for the ladies. He had an issue when it came to the ladies, and we're going to look into this a little more. But let's start here. Samson chapter 14, or Judges chapter 14, starting in verse number 2, says this. Then he came up and told his father and mother, I saw one of the daughters of the Philistines at Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. But his father and mother said to him, Is there not a woman among the daughters of your relatives or among all our people that you must go to take a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? But Samson said to his father, get her for me, for she is right in my eyes. Now y'all need to come back because next week, this would have been good for next week. We're starting a new series, Love is a Verb, a relationship series. You need to come back. You need to bring everybody with you. Bring that significant other or that one you're hoping for, okay? Be here. She's right in my eyes. His father and mother did not know that it was from the Lord. Did you see that? For he was seeking an opportunity against the Philistines. At that time, the Philistines ruled over Israel. C.S. Lewis said this. He said, our Lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak. You see, I believe that God has put desires in your heart. Now, it's interesting to me to think about desires because I think when we think about desires, they have a negative connotation, don't they? Like, I think that desires have a negative connotation when it comes to us as followers of Christ. In fact, just a few generations ago, just a few centuries ago, there was a litmus test to determine whether something was sinful or not. Here was the litmus test. Did you take pleasure in it? If you did, then it was sin. Y'all ever experienced this in the church? Did you take pleasure in it? Did you enjoy it? Did you have fun with it? Well, then it was sin. This was a litmus test for the church, man, for many generations, I believe. That if you enjoyed it, then it was sinful. I believe that is such a sad way to live. Because I believe God, and the Bible tells us God gives us and wants to give us the desires of our heart. 
I believe God has placed desires inside of us, inside of you, inside of me, and those desires are actually part of the voice of God and him speaking to us about our purpose, about our call, about our future. Hear me in this. Spiritual disciplines start as discipline. Did you know that? Spiritual disciplines start as discipline, but over time they become desire. So listen to me, just because you don't desire something or you don't desire the things of God right now, you don't desire to read your word, you don't desire to pray, you don't desire to even be in church, doesn't mean that you shouldn't discipline yourself in those things. My wife, she started working out about a year ago. She started going at 5.30 a.m. every morning. It has been over a year. Here she is down here. She would love to show you her guns. Uh, It's been over a year, and for over a year, my wife has been going to the gym every single day at 5.30 a.m. Now let me tell you something. For the first two to three months, you know what it was for her? It was what? It was discipline. It was work. It was hard. But guess what happened at about month three? It all of a sudden switched and it became a what? A desire. So after a few months, it became a desire to where now, if she doesn't go in the mornings, she has withdrawals. And I was like, girl, it might be an idol in your life. Now you might need to repent from it. (laughs) I'm playing. But, But for real, what's cool about God is that God has given us these spiritual disciplines. And they start as discipline, but they will morph into and change into desire. To where suddenly you desire the word of God. You desire the presence of God. You desire to be in church. You desire to pray. You desire to know God more. It may start as discipline, but it can become desire. So I want you to hear me in this. Just because you don't desire something doesn't mean you can't discipline yourself to where eventually it will become desire in your life. And God wants you to desire the things of him. The things from him. Judges chapter 16 Verse 1 through 3 is an interesting part of this story. I'm jumping forward a little bit because here, um, now Samson comes across and is about to come across this woman named Delilah. But first, before, right before he meets Delilah, he has another encounter. Here's what it says in chapter 16, verse number 1. Samson went to Gaza and there he saw a prostitute and he went into her. Y'all know what that means, right? Okay, just want to make sure. And so Samson goes into this prostitute. Again, Samson, this was a vice in his life. It was an issue. And it says that the men surrounded him in the night. They surrounded him because they were going to kill him because he'd been taking out Philistines. He'd been killing people with jawbones, donkey jawbones. I mean, he was a bad man, all right? It says, but Samson lay, verse 3, till midnight. And at midnight he arose, took hold of the doors of the gate, of the city and the two posts and pulled them up, bar and all, put them on his shoulders, carried them to the top of the hill that is in front of Hebron. Now I've read this story a bunch of times. I've read that. I've never preached this because I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. Okay, he rips out gates. Cool. Here's what I believe. I believe that this is actually a contrast of what's happening in Samson's own life. Hear me in this. The enemy wants a gateway into your life. The enemy wants a gateway into your life because he wants to steal and kill and destroy. 
He wants to steal your joy. He wants to kill your future. And he wants to rob you and, and destroy your destiny. That's what he wants to do. He wants to take you out. So the enemy is looking for a gateway into your life. And so I think it's interesting here that Samson, I believe this is a contrast. Samson here, it has, there's a gateway into his life that's an issue. It's a character issue where he goes into this prostitute, which puts him in a precarious position, right? It puts him in a compromising, in compromising circumstances. But then he actually gets up and he rips the gates out the doors of the gates, and carries them up on a hill. Now, why is this significant? Because the gates signify fortification for a city. If you have gates, if you have a door to the gate, then you know when the enemy attacks, you are protected. You are safe. There's something in, in the way to, to guard you, to protect you. And I believe this is symbolic here where Samson actually rips out the gates, and I believe it's a symbol, it's a, it's a metaphor for us seeing that Samson himself had a hole, had a gateway into his life that the enemy was using to destroy him. You see, the enemy won't attack your marriage. He'll attack your insecurity. He's not going to attack. He's looking for a gateway, a gateway into your marriage because he can't just straight up attack your marriage. But he's looking for a gateway into your marriage to destroy your marriage. So he'll attack your insecurity. And they'll say, oh, this is where they're insecure. This is where they have this need to, to be loved. And, and they'll bring someone else along your path that fills that void for you, fills that need for you, and you think it feels good. And he uses these gateways. The enemy won't just attack the job you have. The enemy will attack your attitude and your spirit in which you approach the job that you walk into every single day. Why? Because he wants to steal, he wants to kill, and he wants to destroy the voice of God is desires, but what happens is we desire wrong things, don't we? How about you, but I desire wrong things. You ever desire wrong things? You ever desire sinful things? Occasionally? We desire wrong things. We desire sinful things. And so when we desire sinful things, just like Samson's sinful desires, they kept putting him in positions that he shouldn't have been in. So I want you to hear me because I believe God has deposited desires in you and they're from God. But I also believe that your flesh has desires and you have to learn to discern the voice of God that he has of the desires that he's given you and the voice of your, of your own flesh and the desires that you're seeking after. You have to discern those two because God wants you to go after the, the, the desires that are from him. He wants you to pursue the desires that he's placed in your heart and he's placed in your life. And for too long in the church, we talk about desires as if it's a negative thing, it's a good thing. Those of you single men and women out here, come back next week. The desires you have and those of you that are dating and you have this desire for the other person and it gets physical, right? Let's get physical. It gets physical. Those desires are good. They're from God. But the enemy will try to get a gateway into those desires to twist them and turn them into something they were not meant to be. Because they were meant to be within marriage. So we have to understand and discern what are the desires that are from God and what are the desires of my flesh. When you can learn to hear that voice and discern the voice of God as it relates to that, it makes a huge difference in your destiny and your purpose. Because God has a destiny and purpose for you. Did you know that? He has greater things for you. We say all the time, the best is yet to come. It's about hearing the voice of God in the desires. See, this is a door. The second door of God's voice is dreams. 
dreams. Everybody say dreams. It says in Judges chapter 13, verse 2 through 3, it says there was a certain man of Zorah, of the tribe of the Danites, whose name was Manoah. Now I'm going back. This is before Samson is even born. And his wife was barren and had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold, you are barren, have not born children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Verse 8 and 9. Then Manoah prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, please let the man of God whom you sent come again to us and teach us what we are to do with the child who will be born. And God listened to the voice of Manoah, and the angel of God came again to the woman as she sat in the field. But Manoah, her husband, was not with her. Hear me in this. Some desires or dreams will not make sense to man. Going back to that first scripture I read, Samson's own parents didn't understand why he was desiring this woman from the Philistines. But that desire was from God. The one where he wanted to marry her, not the one where he went into the prostitute. That desire was from God. God had given him that desire. Why? Because he was trying to get a foothold in, a way in with the Philistines. And it was going to happen through a wife. So that was a good desire because it was a God desire. But listen to me, God desires may not always make sense to the men of this world. They may not always make sense to the haters in your life. The dreams that God puts in your heart may not, uh, may not be something that people in your life support or get behind. But if it's from God and you know it's been deposited by God, then you've got to walk it out in obedience. You've got to pursue it with fervency, with veracity. You see, these dreams that God has put in you, what's amazing is when your dreams align with your talent, you become very dangerous. Did you know that? When your dreams align with your talent, you become laser-focused. You become a dangerous weapon for God. The problem is a lot of us get sucked into the dreams that this world wants to tell us we should have. This world that wants to tell us these are the dreams you should have for your life. Everyone's like, you need to be insta-famous. Like, oh, everyone, you need to be a blogger. Like, not everyone is supposed to be a blogger. If you're a terrible writer, you're probably not supposed to write books. If your talent and your dreams don't align, that means maybe you got sucked into a dream that wasn't from God, but was something that this world put on you. That's why I have to learn to discern the voice of God and when God puts dreams in us or when man is putting dreams in us or we're putting dreams upon ourselves. Then I remember, so God called me when I was 12 years old to be a pastor. 12 years old. But I also remember there was a moment in like junior high, high school where I actually realized that I think God has equipped me to do what he's calling me to do. I was like junior high, high school and I remember being at lunch and my friends would always ask me, like, Caleb, Caleb, tell us that story. Caleb, t tell us that one story about that one time. And my friends would want me to tell them stories. And it was in that moment that I started to recognize, like, I think God has given me an ability and given me the ability to tell stories in a way, and in a unique way, which will correlate to one day when I tell the story of the gospel, of the good news of Jesus Christ, to the church that I'm called to lead. You see, God had given me talent that now had been attached to my dream because I knew I was called to be a pastor. I knew that God had given me a dream to be a pastor. I knew that God had given me a dream to plant a church. And when those things align, we become dangerous for the Lord. 
So what I want you to do right now, I want you to search, search inside yourself say, man, what talent do I have? Does it align with the dreams that I have for my life? And some of you out there going, I don't have any talent. Let me tell you right now, you have talent. We believe that creativity is our spirit at Project Church. Everyone in this room has creativity. You're all creatives. God has given you all talent, ability, gift things, and he wants to use them for his glory. What talents and gifts has he given you, and how do they align with the dreams that he's put in you? Now, at the same time, there was a study done 11 years ago. This study was done 11 years ago by an individual by the name of Dr. Daniel Heller. And here's what he did. He studied 450 elite music students. He studied these 450 elite music students for 11 years. This is a long study. And his whole goal of this study was to determine what is more important. What is more important, talent or passion? That's all they wanted to know in this study. What matters more, talent or passion? And in this 11-year study, what they determined was the students who had a passion for music far exceeded the students who had greater talent for music. You want to know why? Because they, those that had a passion for it inspired greater risks. Those who had a passion for it kept motivated even when they hit issues and obstacles in their path. They didn't quit. They kept going. So along with this idea of dreams and talent is something that also matters, and that's passion. You see, if you have a dream, then you're going to be passionate about it. And your passion will drive you to keep moving forward. Your passion will drive you to keep pursuing what God has put in your heart. Your passion will drive you to go to another level. This is one of the doors in which God speaks. He speaks in our dreams. You know, I know God has given you dreams in this room. I know he's given you desires in this room. Are they aligning with God? Are they aligning with his word? Are you hearing his voice? Is this from him? Is this from you? We have to learn to discern this because God wants us to walk out the dreams and the desires that he's placed in us. They're from him. But so often we get confused. Now, we're casual today, aren't we? We're casual Christians. We have a lot of casual relationships. We have casual sex. This is the world and the culture that we live in. We are too casual. And God is not looking for casual Christians or casual people in, in his kingdom. He is looking for passionate people. He is looking for a passionate body of believers. A passionate body of people to come in here and to worship God with all their heart. To go out from this place and to live out that worship by how they live. With their actions, with their words. You see, we shouldn't be casual anymore. Maybe, I mean, it's okay to be casual in your dress when you come in here. In fact, being casual in your dress may help you to worship better. When your jeans are too tight like mine, it's hard to do that Holy Spirit shuffle, you know what I'm saying? When you got those boots on and they're not very comfortable, you come in in J's, you're ready to worship, okay? So it's okay to be casual in your dress, but not casual in your faith. God wants us to be passionate. He wants us to live out the desires, the dreams that he's put in our heart. That's what he's looking for. Not only that, but I think God speaks in dreams. Did you know that? I'm talking about like dreams at night. Now how many of you like me, you don't remember your dreams? Raise your hand, you don't remember your dreams. I don't remember my dreams hardly ever. There's been a few times where I've remembered dreams. I'm like, oh my goodness, that was from God. But I believe God speaks in our dreams. Those of you that actually remember your dreams, I want you to start thinking about what is God saying to you. If you look at scripture, God spoke to people in dreams at night multiple times. John wrote the book of Revelation in a dream. Because he saw it in a dream. So God speaks in dreams. But there's also 
daydreams. There's night dreams and there's daydreams. And I think God is often, some of you, you're not night dreamers, you're daydreamers. Where are my daydreamers at? Come on, raise your hand. Daydreamers. Let me tell you something. I believe God has given you that ability to daydream. People tell you, have told you for a long time, why do you not have an attention span? Why are you so ADD? Why are you so ADHD? Why can't you focus? Let me tell you because I think God is putting dreams in your mind, in your spirit, in your heart throughout your day. And those dreams, if they're from God, you need to walk them out. I believe God speaks to us in our dreams in the day and in the night. We have to just learn to discern and say, God, is it your voice? And if it's your voice, I'm going to walk through this door of these dreams. Third and finally today, the third door of God's voice. I just want you to know the first service was more responsive than you guys. And usually the second service is better. And so you got one more point to, to step it up. Let's go. Thank you, Aaron. Number three, the third door of God's voice is God moments. Everybody say God moments. Psalm 37, 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. Let that encourage you today. He wants to give you the desires of your heart. You know, my son, um, the other night he, or the other morning he came into our room and, uh, I was, I, was, I was in bed, and he didn't make the last shot. That's what someone just asked me. No, he didn't make it. He missed it. <laughs> They're like, did he make the last shot? Okay, we're going back 20 minutes. He missed it. All right, cool. That was bugging some of you. I'm glad we, had, we were able to bring a conclusion to that story. But I, I'm laying in bed, and he climbs in bed with me. It's like, you know, 6.45 in the morning. He's an early riser. And my phone was next to my bed, like on my, my the nightstand. And he looks at it and he says, oh, there you are, my precious. And I was like, what the golem? Get out of here, Smeagol. Like, it was the creepiest thing I've ever experienced. My six-year-old, oh, oh, there you are, precious. Like, where do you even come up with that? Oh, there you are, my precious. But let me tell you something. My son, he desires the phone. And it's like crack for these kids, you know what I'm saying? He wants to watch it every day, all day long. But I'm a good father. So guess what I tell him the majority of the time? No. I'm like, no, bro, this is not your precious. This is my phone and you will not touch it unless I agree to let you. Now, every once in a while, I'll throw him a bone. All right, you can play for five minutes. You can be on. Why? Because I'm a loving father. I want to give him some of the desires. But how often are the desires we have, they're of our flesh, and they're not going to lead us to a better life. You see, God sees the tapestry. He sees eternity. He sees the tapestry of our whole life laid out before him, and we can't see that. We just see in the moment. We just see in what we're going through right now. And if God gave us every desire or everything we asked for, how messed up would our lives be? But we have a loving father. Just like I'm loving for my child, man, I'm going to give him what I know is best for him. I'm going to do for him what I know will set him up for the future, for the great things that are coming for him. I'm not going to give him every time he asks me for candy or sugar or a phone. Why? Because I love him. God gives you and wants to give you the desires of your heart, but he gives it in his timing. He gives it in his way. He gives it in a way that is best for you, and it's just hard for us to see that sometimes. Another psalm says, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Here's what I found, that there are God moments 
that come across our paths. I don't know if you ever had a God moment. You ever had a God moment where it's like, you know this was God. You had to walk through that door. You see, when it's God moments, those doors are wide open. I think a lot of us are trying to kick down doors of our desires. We're trying to kick down doors of our dreams. We're trying to bust in and break these, break through and, and get to this door because that's what we want. That's what we dreamed about. That's what we desired. And God's going, listen, just wait on me. Trust in me. Listen to my voice. Hear from me. I've given you some of these desires. I've given you some of these dreams, but they're going to come in my timing. And then there's God moments where doors swing wide open. And when we know it's God and we know it's a God moment, what do we do? We got to walk through. We got to walk through those doors. Walk through to the other side. Martin Luther said this, the Christian shoemaker does his duty not by putting little crosses on the shoes, but by making good shoes. Because God is interested in good craftsmanship. That encouraged me. Because I think a lot of us are trying to figure out, how do we live loud for Jesus? How do we live our lives out loud for Jesus in this world? Let me tell you how you do it. You show up on time to work every single day. Let me tell you how you do it. You work harder than anybody else. Let me tell you how you live out loud for Jesus. You are faithful to your family. You're faithful to your spouse. You're faithful to your children. You're present with your family. How do we live out loud for Jesus? We live in a way that no one else does. We set an example by our character, by our heart, in a way that no one else does. James 4.3 says, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. See, I think that a lot of us, were asking for things, for desires, for dreams, and, and we're asking maybe at wrong times or in wrong ways or for wrong things. And I want you right now to really search your heart and say, are some of these desires I've been going after, some of these dreams I've been pursuing, are these from God or are these from me? And I do believe that if he, he has deposited some of these things in your life, then you need to run for, run for it, run to it, walk it out faithfully, but also understand that it may not happen in your timing, it may happen in his timing. And trust his timing more than your timing. You know, Samson, this story ends, it's pretty tragic. You guys have maybe heard the story, or for those of you that haven't, Samson actually ends up getting with this woman named Delilah. She's a Philistine. And the Philistines, they want to know the source of his power, his strength. And so he lies to her a few times, makes up a few stories, it doesn't work, and then finally... After she just hounds him about it, he tells her. She cuts his hair. That's where his strength was. They bind him up. He tries to fight back and his, his power has left him. His strength has left him because God has left him. And so they bring him into a dungeon. They gouge out his eyes. He's now blind. They shave his head completely. But I believe there's a God moment at the end of Samson's life. And I wanted you to hear this because I think every one of us has had that moment where we failed. We've had that moment where we've fallen short. We've had that moment where, man, this sin just had hold of us. Or maybe we've been caught in this same sin for time and time again. Or maybe we just had this big sin moment and we felt like our story was over. We felt like God could never use us again. 
We felt like God was done with us. We felt like God had no more future for us. And maybe you're in this place and you felt that way for a long time. You felt like you have no more story. Like God can't use you. Like God's abandoned you. Like God's left you. Like God has nothing more to do with your life. And I'm here to tell you that that is a lie from the enemy. That it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter your mistakes. It doesn't matter your sin. God still has a story for your life, and it is not over. This has just been one chapter, and he's about to turn a new page. All it takes is you to surrender to the God of the universe, the God that came down as a man and loved you so much that he gave his life, and he's saying, all you got to do is surrender to me, and I will do greater things. I will do new things. I will open a new chapter in your life. Samson. His head is shaved, but it says at the end of chapter number 16, it says, but Samson's hair began to grow. His hair began to grow. And here we see that Samson is brought into a coliseum. There's 3,000 Philistines. 3,000 Philistines, and they're mocking him. They say, bring Samson in for entertainment. We've won. We defeated God's man. We defeated God's judge. And they're laughing at him and they're mocking him. And he's their entertainment, this blind former conqueror, former mighty man. But then Samson says something in verse 28. Says, it says that Samson called to the Lord and said, Oh God, please remember me and please strengthen me only this once. Oh God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. And then in the end of this chapter, number, verse number 30 says, And the house fell upon the Lord's and upon all the people who were in it. And listen to this. So the dead whom he killed at his death were more than those who he had killed during his life. I believe God wants to speak something to you today. That you feel like your life is over. That God can't use you. But God is about to do a new thing. I believe God is doing a new thing in this place today. He wants to start a new thing in your life. He wants to open a new chapter in your future. He wants to lead you to the future, the purpose, the destiny, the dreams, the desires that he's placed in your heart. Why? Because God brings God opportunities that are amazing. And here's Samson. He ends his life with one last heroic moment. It says he killed more in his death than he had killed in his whole life. You see, God's not done with any of us. God hasn't given up on any of us. God hasn't forgotten any of us. And I know there's somebody in here that feels forgotten. You feel like God doesn't see you anymore. Like God doesn't know you anymore. That God doesn't see what you're going through right now. And I'm here to tell you, he has not forgotten about you. He knows you by name. He knows how many hairs are on your head. He knows what you've been through. He knows what you're experiencing right now. He knows your emotions even at this very moment. He wanted you here today to hear this word to tell you that your story is not over. Your story is not over. God is a God of new beginnings. God is a God of restoration. God is a God of healing. God is a God that sets new trajectories of life. God is a God of legacies. And he can begin a new legacy right now in your life. So today I want to ask you, if you're in this room, you don't know Jesus. Maybe you knew him at one time, but honestly, you pursued the desires of this world, the desires of your flesh, and today you need to respond, you need to recommit, you need to surrender your heart to Jesus. You did not come in here by accident. He wanted you to respond to his love in this room today. Would you bow your heads with me?